Hello, and welcome to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast, the number one podcast for those involved, or just interested, in the production of beef animals and dairy herds. This edition of the podcast is a very special one, as it's being recorded in front of a live audience... ...here at the annual Great British Cattle Bazaar, the world's largest livestock sale. On this one weekend alone, over 40,000 cattle will be sold to the highest bidders. And it's not just meat beasts. Over 200 million litres of sperm were sold in this very room only this morning. You can feel it in the air, can't you? This room is very... Hello, this month's episode is edited highlights of a live show we did recently at the Great British Cattle Bazaar. If you'd rather watch the whole show, the recording of the live stream is still available to watch until the 3rd of October at a price of £9.50. I will put the link to that in the show description. Our first guest was bovine arsevet Bob Truscothic. Please welcome bovine arsevet Bob Truscothic! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bob, thank you much, uh, so much for coming to speak to us. How are things with you? Last time we spoke, things weren't going so well. You'd uh, been, well, well you'd been struck off. Yeah, but you, you, you know, we cover this. You can't be struck off if you've never been struck on. Yeah, well, yeah, we, yeah, we did cover this. Um, you were living eventually, for some reason, on an oil rig in the North Sea. Yeah, but an abandoned oil rig, so it was roomy, um, lots right. of facilities. Some of the vending machines were still working. Um, yeah, but I've, I've, I've managed to make it back to dry land. Uh, now, thanks to some some fair winds and a a, a life raft, I finally managed to, to fashion out of um, s- some dead men's clothing, essentially, and uh, <laughs> that worked quite nicely. Uh, so things things are very much on the up. You're here at the bazaar, but you're not really meant to be well, here. I, well, no, I'm, I I think I'm meant to be here as much as uh, as anyone really. I've been I've been the official vet of the bazaar for the last twenty years. I'm I'm part of the furniture, really. I would say. Well, you, you were the in-house vet for the past 20 years until... Mm-hmm. Yes, I think, well, I think presumably a clerical error. They, 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 they did invite you back this they, year, did they? They didn't invite me back this year. And instead year. they employed a different vet called Mike Gontleman. Gontleman. Mm. You, you know Mike Gontleman? I know Gontleman. <laughs> With his degree. <laughs> Smug ass. Yeah, I mean, there's smug ass, and then there's qualified vet, isn't there? Mm-hmm. There's a bit of a Venn diagram there. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 got a very different philosophy to you. I, I'm, I'm aware you're quite ass first, really, when yeah. it comes to veterinary <laughs> issues. I don't know if Gontleman the the ass is where the cow begins and ends. You know, <laughs> it's the window into the cow's soul. Uh, you can you can read an ass in a way you can't read any other part of the cow. He's faffing about with hooves and. Teeth, if cows even have teeth, who cares? <laughs> it's a waste of time. He's a charlatan. Yeah. Why does the bazaar need a vet, an in house vet? What kind of thing are they looking out for? What kind of thing are they. Oh, well, I mean, obviously, all kinds of things can go wrong, you know, because there's, I mean, there's thousands of uh, beef units here hmm. um, and all kinds of other units. The, the, probably the main thing is, is it's all about um, self esteem, really, I find. Your, your self-esteem or the self-esteem of the calves? Mostly the, mostly the calves and the heifers, because they, 
particularly if, if one gets uh, auctioned off for a lower price than it was anticipating, for example. Uh, tricky. So there's a big sort of sports psychology element. Um, and I guess you just kind of rally round and go, do you know what, I think you're a great heifer. Well, that's, and that's important pre-auction as well, because if the, if the, if the, if the farmers are seeing that they're, they're looking despondent, the cows, then they know they're going to go for a low price, because then they're not going to have that bounce on the field, which is what you want from a cow, you know. You want it to lift your spirits. So how do you lift a cow's spirits whilst going arse first? Well, if, if a cow is despondent, often the, you've got to go to the root cause, and often the root cause is, is the arse. Um, sometimes a, a cow will think that it's been poorly auctioned because it's got a, a, a sub-performing arse. Sometimes a cow will forget that it's got an arse at all. <laughs> and you have to show a cow its own arse. Hall of um, mirrors type thing? or hmm? Hall of mirrors? Hall of mirrors is, yeah, I mean, a very simple hall of mirrors. Hall of two mirrors um, will do. <laughs> Generally speaking, um, but they're 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 a community. They're social animals. So sometimes you can get a bunch of uh, of, of cows to, to look at another cow's ass, and then you put them round, and they converse with the other cow. I mean, obviously they're not using words, but they convey somehow an appreciation of the ass that you've just shoved their face into. Um, and that tends to lift their spirits, I find. And of course, the people coming to the bazaar, I mean, many people here will be here to buy cattle. Mm. They may have been here this morning for the sperm sale. What are they looking out for when they're looking for a good animal? Are they looking uh, arse well, first? I would just well? say on the subject of self-esteem, I would just, you know, if, if you don't fall into the trap of looking for arse tears, okay? Because it's probably a temporary problem, okay? And it can be fixed, okay? So dab them away and um, look at that cow in a different, different light, I would say. So you're saying that in, a, in an auction situation, you shouldn't be alarmed if a cow is crying out of its ass. No. No, I think that's a lot of people's sort of initial instinct is to be deeply, deeply alarmed at that sight. Uh, especially when they're really hosing. Um, and some of the more melodramatic cows have, can use, use their hind quarters uh, to sort of, uh, to sort of uh, pad their ass with a handkerchief. Uh, which is something probably only see once every ten years or so. But actually, what people don't realise is that's a display of happiness and... Happiness and great skill, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, I need to address the elephant in the room. You've been involved at mm. the Bazaar for 20 years. Yeah. This year, you're involved in a, in a rather darker side of the Bazaar. As wow. people will know, there's the official Bazaar, which takes place in this building, and then there's the, the kind of fringe well, events. The fringe, I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the fringe is a burgeoning scene. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily darker necessarily well, well no because the, the official bazaar that focuses on meat beasts mm -hmm. or you know pre-meat mm -hmm. jizz uh, jizz yeah, yeah. Um, uh, buffalo milkshake yeah. Um, yeah and we have yeah you're right there are but, I mean, but you're, you're on the fringe where you know yeah, there anything some, goes there are sub beeves there there are pseudo beeves there are non-beef beeves uh, as mm. well so you do have to be a bit canny if you're on the bazaar certainly um, but there's a lot of innovation because you've well. got your own stall on the fringe, you're selling your own product. Yes, yeah, just on the other side, of the, you've probably seen the big meat luge um, that someone's doing, uh, Gerald Handyman is doing. I'm just by the side of that, um, and I've, I've, I'm, I've got a new product. Um, I've got uh, bovine, bovine arse drones, um, is what I'm trying to, uh, trying to sell at the moment. How does a, a bovine arse drone, or a rectal drone, mm. how does that differ from a regular drone you might buy in, you know, I don't know, Ryman's or... Well, it's sm smaller... For a start, right. uh, it needs to be arse-proofed in a way that um, your Ryman's drone doesn't need to be. Hmm. Um, and acid-proofed. It's, it's mostly... I'm hoping one day it'll be used therapeutically and diagnostically. At the moment, it's mostly for farmers who've 
you know, it's the, it's the old beef vault, isn't it? It's where a lot of farmers still now and for generations will keep uh, valuables, uh, family heirlooms, um, wedding albums, that sort of thing. Um, quite burglar-proof. And, uh, you know, they're normally very safe there, but about one in eight cows will do something called a reverse peristalsis, uh, where the, the heirloom will get sort of, sort of, uh, sort of reverse ingested in, up the, the, the stomach chain uh, right into the cow. So it's to try and retrieve those things. That's how I'm trying to monetize it initially. Well, I came, you, you did a, uh, an incredible public viewing of this, mm. of this thing yesterday. You might have seen me. I was, well, I was in the crowd. I was, I was in, in disguise because I didn't want, well, you know, I'm a journalist. Uh, I didn't want to, you yeah. to know I was there. I was dressed as an old crone. Oh, right. Yeah, we, I had a lot of crones in yesterday. Yeah, and... Um, <laughs> And when you got it out, when you got out the rectal drone, like the yeah. hush and the, the feeling of anticipation was incredible. Yeah, it went really well. Well, did it go we really well? Because leave it there. I, I, I don't know, because from where I was standing or, or sort of crouching, um, it didn't look like it went all that, that well. Because, you know, maybe you can tell everyone what happened. Well, the drone went in. Well, a, the first drone went in. Yep. Yeah, and then it, it didn't. Well, unfortunately, it was, it was a reverse peristaltic cow so that unfortunately the drone did get sucked up into the some stomachs and so i did have to then send another drone in to try and get that drone and um you know we can we can leave it there if you like because the second drone that didn't come back out either did it so then you sent in 14 more drones yes (laughs) but i mean you know it was it was memorable event i think it was certainly memorable because once the 14th went in the cow began to sort of levitate because there was so much... Yeah, which is not my... The one thing we didn't anticipate was starting to suck quite a lot of air in through the mouth of the cow and then back out. It sort of turned into sort of Harriet jump jet type thing and it did. And, and I'm, where my stall is, there isn't a roof. There's just a bit of tarpaulin, really, and that, that sort of gave way in seconds. Um, yeah. So it, was, it did become airborne, Yeah, and from where I, where I was standing, it looked very much like it was going into the airspace of London City Airport. So It was... Yes, unfortunately, yes, it was. And, and I, th- I think that's, unfortunately, I mean, this is the modern age we live in. It did ping a protocol of sorts. Um, and uh, uh, jets were scrambled uh, from RAF Northolt. And um, unfortunately, the, the cow uh, wasn't able to respond to their uh, requests for identification uh, or their insistence uh, of an immediate landing. Um, because she was a cow. She wasn't really set up for that. Um, so uh, the, the second the, the cow floated over uninhabited uh, space, um, they, they did shoot it down uh, with a, a short-range air-to-cow missile. Yeah. <laughs> An event which was uh, captured internally in pinprick 4K quality video. Yes, uh, yes, the cameras on the drones were all functional. I probably should have switched them off. I didn't really realize yeah. I wasn't thinking at the time. Um, Streaming live onto Facebook. Yeah, yeah, but it shows that at least the cameras work. That's something, isn't it? From the, from the demo, there's always a silver lining. And can survive a missile hit. So, you know, they're well-made, well-made bits of kit. Thank you. Well, um, <laughs> I don't know if anyone, if anyone on the live stream has any questions for Bob before he goes. Any questions? If you're on the live stream and you have a question for Bob, just write it in the little chat box. Can you sense a cow's emotions through its arse? It's the only place you can sense a cow's <laughs> emotions. People make this mistake of looking into the eyes of a cow. Everyone knows the eyes of a cow are incredibly alluring and, and beautiful, but all you'll see there is, is a deep inner peace, which is often not the case. You have to, you have to, you have to read the arse. I will, uh, actually next weekend, I will, I'll be running a seminar 
on uh, on uh, sort of cow ass map reading uh, for emotions uh, on on Zoom uh, for only only nineteen pounds. Um, uh, that'll be at seven fifteen in the evening until seven thirty ish. Um, so sign up. And all four emotions that the cow can experience. All four emotions. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, I've seen it done. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Rage, fear, joy, and jealousy. Yeah. <laughs> right, well then, um, everyone, please thank Bob Shoskothic. Thank you. Right, now it's time for... A special live version of the Beef and Dairy Network's weekly live quiz web stream. Of course, normally to play Beef Call, you'd have to wait until a Wednesday afternoon and then call the Beef Call number. For many months now, the Beef Call number has been... One. One. That's right. That's right, one. It's been one for a while. But that has led to absolute chaos. A combination of the cost of calling the phone line, which is a pricey 85 euros a minute, and the sheer frequency with which people butt-dialed the number has led to many people becoming financially ruined. Luckily, there's a great place for them to win back their money. And that's Beef Call, which has reverted to its older number, which, of course, was...
More after this. There are some things in life that I like to pick out myself, so I know that I've got the one that's right for me. Sausages, mattresses, pens, etc. What if you could do the same for hiring? That's where ZipRecruiter's Invite to Apply comes in. It lets you pick your favourites from the best candidates. So how does it work? ZipRecruiter sends you qualified candidates and you can easily invite your top choices to apply for your job. Lauren Webb, SVP of Talent Acquisition for Mindula Health, raves about ZipRecruiter's Invite to Apply. She says, I love that feature because we have much higher follow-through rate if I invite candidates. See for yourself. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-E-F to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash beef. It's time to meet someone who's appeared on the show a number of times before. A former bovine poet laureate. He left the country many years ago after a run-in with the Bovine Farmers Union, which came to a head when they sewed a cow's face onto his face as a punishment. Please welcome Michael Banyan. Hi. Hi there. Michael, welcome. It's great to see you. Always yeah. great to check in with you, see, yeah. how the, see how the face is doing. Yeah. It's looking incredible. It's kind of dark... Mm. That's like right. a dark walnut colour now. That's right. It's, got, it's, it's completely matte, isn't it, now? It's got no shine whatsoever. Yeah, it's, it's got um, this kind of deep patina that you might right. get in like, a, mm. like an old leather armchair that you, know, you might find in a sort of a country house. It's got that kind of feeling to it. Yeah, lived in, but still comfortable. Um, might, you might just sit on it and play Scrabble with a nephew, that kind of... Yeah, yeah. yeah. really yeah. lovely. Yeah I, yeah, I get that. Yep. And I read recently that you've um, mm. been able to stop having the 21 daily injections as well, in, because your original face has actually stopped rejecting the cow's face, which is amazing. Yes, a beautiful moment. They've really, um, yeah, they've, they've completely fused. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah, no, no, no more injections. We've talked about some of the shady dealing that happens mm. at the, the, the Bazaar's Fringe, as, uh, as Bob told us about. Mm. You know, Bob's rectal drones, of course, but then there's all the other stuff that we haven't mentioned yet, the, you know, the, the, the big sacks of black market sick crabs you can buy um the gambling that happens over fights between pigs covered in razor blades it's you know it's a mm. it's a dark place not for the faint-hearted yeah no yeah. And, and as a poet i know that you've mm. always been drawn to this fringe you know you're obviously mm. drawn to the darker parts the dark of side. society yeah in your book crab of the land you wrote about the time you saw someone selling a bag of drugged mallards to a hooded prince edward mm. and of course you then went on to write the poem prince of beaks that's right um, so you've been drawn to this area, but I believe you've become slightly more involved in the fringe this year, and you're actually you've actually sold something there this year that's, that's very valuable. Yes. Well, I have sold my cow's face. Yes, I know. <laughs> A lot of my fans have become attached to the cow's face now, uh, but it's not my actual face. I, I still maintain that. The cow's face is still on at the moment. Though. It's still on at the moment. Yeah. It's still, yes, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's, but it's not mine legally. Right, I see. So, so it's te- so, it's... technically, I'm actually not allowed to be wearing this face. It's quite an unusual legal situation that <laughs> this is not my face. So it sold last night. It sold au- last night at auction. At auction. Now, I guess the big question that everyone will be thinking is, why would you sell your own face? I know. It's, it's yes. Is it a money problem? I mean, what's the financial? Yeah. It is financial because, you know, uh, you know the fate, yeah, it, it has fused my own face. It's become, you know, I feel like it's my face now, but financial, I hit, some, I hit the skids, basically. Because you're making, year. you know, people will know you're making so much money from your Jumanji podcast, Jumanji CWS. <laughs> Absolute fu- fuck-ton. Yeah. Absolute fuck-ton. Um, 
Uh, from Jumanji CWS, yeah, could have, would have, um, The Interviewing people who could have been in Jumanji but weren't, that's right. Uh, yeah, or would have been yeah. in Jumanji but didn't want to. Yeah, yeah. Or should have been in Jumanji but uh, just didn't have the idea. Yeah. Yeah, never thought of it. Um, massive, massive podcast. Um, uh, not just fans of Jumanji, just uh, people that could have, would have, or should have done anything pretty much actually started to find oh, really? it quite interesting. Okay. Uh, but we had some legal problems with uh, Jumanji would have, should have, could have which it turns out uh, predated us. But um, I, may, I may maintain that the emphasis is very different in our podcast. But um, uh, So, yeah, that was a problem. Um, but, um, but still, you know, I was, I, was, I, was, I was still riding high. I mean, I was doing extremely well. I was eating in, I mean, I was eating in Pret-a-Manger three times a week. <laughs> um, and I was actually in a Pret-a-Manger when I was approached by a man from Netflix... He suggested um, working with me right. to create the first ever massive, binge-worthy, you know, you know, talk about TV box set based on a book of uh, poems. Right. And he approached you... Based on Crab of the Land. Wow. And I mean, I mean who'd... I mean, just cheer. Who'd want to see that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a great idea. And, and also, I could see he was eating a posh cheddar sandwich. So, um, you know, I, I, I could tell he meant business. Oh, he approached you... When you say he approached you, he approached you in the press. Oh, he, oh, yeah, we were both in the press. Yeah. Right, I see. So uh, th- this guy approaches you, he says, we're going to make... We're going to turn you into a TV star. Yeah. Um, so why, you know, why aren't you a TV star? Well, um, <laughs> there my troubles began. There my troubles began. Um, well, you know, we chatted instantly. We both knew who had to play me. I mean, I don't, do I even need to say it? I mean, the finest actor of his generation, Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. Right. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, Sam, we bagged. We bagged him. Obviously, he was he was dying to work to work on this project. Giamatti was very excited. We bagged him. Signed the contracts. Everything was ready to go. First day of filming. We had Giamatti. We'd bought the chair. We'd bought the um, the um, the fireplace uh, and um, a copy of the book. Oh, so you weren't really sort of thinking out of the box with it. It was very much just reading it out. Pared down was what we thought. Giamatti, armchair, fireplace, a copy of the book. Let Giamatti's magic, you know, just sure. happen. Don't get in the way of the words and Giamatti. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, first day the lawyers turned up and uh, it turned out that Giamatti had signed an exclusivity deal for 15 years uh, with Jonathan Franzen. Ah. Oh. Yeah, uh, my nemesis. Um, so Jonathan Franzen was making his own television series. Jonathan Franzen had signed a deal with Amazon to make the, uh, the most ambitious uh, box set of all time, a 24 box set series. So 24 times 24 series, each of which... Has 24... 24 episodes. Episodes. This was, it was a very ambitious uh, writing project. This was all, this entire box set was all going to be uh, telling the story of one night out that uh, Jonathan Franzen had with Kajuro Isiguro in 1997. <laughs> right, so 24 series of 24 episodes, yeah. all about one night. In molecular detail. They were going to go into this. Um, I mean, it's quite a famous evening. It was the evening in 1997 when um, Franzen and Ishiguro went to see The Verve at Wembley Arena. Um, got. Uh, it got completely hammered on wine. Mm. And um, then after the gig, decided to um, go to... Uh, well, get in a minivan with um, Martin Amis, who had just... <laughs> I mean, this will be covered in the series, but Martin Amis had just sold London Fields and he used the, um, the advance to, to buy a minivan. Um, <laughs> so the, the idea was that but Amos was going to drive them all to the um, big yellow storage company in, uh, in Acton, um, <laughs> which they were then going to proceed to fill with piss. That was... <laughs> 
Um, store this, store this, store this piss. Um, was what they were chanting as they drove up, uh, as, as they made their way there. Um, luckily, Salman Rushdie got wind of the whole thing. He, um, as it happened, used the same storage company to store a lot of his, uh, a lot of his uh, spare pens. Um, so uh, he, in, he informed Interpol. Uh, luckily, Ishiguro and, uh, and uh, Franz were both taken down with, with tranquilizer darts before they could get to the, um, before they get past the lobby. Um, and actually, interestingly, uh, the next day, uh, uh, Kashiro Ishiguro woke up in, in hospital and had the idea for uh, Remains of the Day. Um, which he then started writing. And it was only six months later, he was about halfway through the book, when it, it was pointed out to him that he'd, he'd already had the idea and, and written the entire book. Um, in, uh, in 1989. So, wow. So it's, it's a great story, a story which needs telling. But, um, and Paul Giamatti was... And Giamatti... And Giamatti was going to be playing was, Franzen? Was going to be playing Franzen, yeah. Right, I see. Who's, um, playing, who's playing Martin Amis? Uh, Salman Rushdie, actually, weirdly, because he, oh, okay. he, he dabbles in acting now. Yeah. Um, but... Um, Anyway, the, the, legally, the issue was that Giamatti was, 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 was spoken for. Um, so, um, I mean, I was still very keen. Uh, I still wanted Giamatti. I desperately, desperately wanted Giamatti. So uh, we came up with a solution because we were pretty sure that Franzen hadn't signed the digital rights for Giamatti's image. Okay. So, loophole. Basically, the, the idea was we'd, we'd, um, we'd get a, um, a, a digital avatar, essentially, a, a digitized Giamatti. Right. To play the role. Uh, uh, you know, with green screen, using an actor, using green screen and, um, you know, the uh, mocap. With the balls on. Mocap technology yeah. with the balls on the suit. Yeah. So who, yeah. who did you get to wear the suit and do all the, to, to, to make the Giamatti move? Paul Giamatti. <laughs> and that was overreaching. I realised that that was, right. that, legally I was asking for it with that. Um, it turns out we weren't allowed to use Paul Giamatti. There was a contract thing. I went through it with the lawyers. I was desperate for the, for the performance to at least be based somewhere in, 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 in Giamatti, you know, um, so, so we, we, we were pretty sure that Franzen hadn't signed Giamatti's puppetry rights. <laughs> so at that point, so then we hired, we hired um, uh, just um, a, a neutral, uh, a, some, uh, a neutral per, sort of person to, to wear the suit. Right. Which is uh, someone who's Giamatti, a, a Giamatti neutral actor. Yeah. So someone who neither looks particularly like or unlike Giamatti. So Paul Giamatti's the, the perfect... Well, Paul Giamatti would have been <laughs> ideal. Yeah. But we, so that actor was wearing the suit. Giamatti was then 50 feet above that actor on a... Um, as, on a, a as a puppet master. As a pu pu puppeting it. Yeah. Long story short, actually, Franz and we, we had, had... He had bagged the puppetry rights. Um, because... So, it, uh, but anyway, so... The point is, what we managed to do was we managed to use a legal loophole which is known as mocap um, dilution. Okay. So what, what happened was we set up um, 49 um, computers with 49 boffins. Each of, each of them was uh, programming a different Giamatti avatar whose motions were based on the motions of the mocap from the previous avatar. So we had 49 of those in a row, and the 50th was actually Paul Giamatti, and that pushed us just beyond the dilution pro where we were allowed, legally allowed to use him. So your, your performance was kind of like a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy yeah. of Paul Giamatti. Exactly, and right. therein lied the problem which is, uh, through every iteration, Giamatti's performance degraded. Turns out, if you degrade uh, Giamatti's acting by a factor of uh, 50, you end up with, uh, with Sean Bean. Um, <laughs> which... And, you know, I mean, Sean Bean reading poetry, I mean, that's like asking a, a pig to, to open an envelope. Do you know what I mean? It's just... Um, 
It's just not going to happen. It's just it? not going to happen. No. Um, okay, so, so the long and short of this is... That the long and short of it is I'm now, uh, I'm now being sued by Paul Giamatti and 49 avatars. Um, <laughs> Paul Giamatti, um, and of course those avatars have bottomless pockets. Um, and they've, they've, they've put together a, a legal sort of dream team of uh, avatars of um, great uh, orators from history. Oh, right. Horace, Cicero, <laughs> William Hague. Right, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so I was in the shit financially. Um, and so you decided, well, the only thing for it is to, to auction your face. Auction my face. Yeah. Now, <laughs> how did you know that your face was valuable? Because, it, you know, it, it's nice enough, but, mm. you know, why... Well, the thing is that um, it turns out that, uh, that face leather is, in fact, the, the softest leather on earth. Right. And uh, it's very, very highly prized by very, very, very rich people. Uh, because, face leather, because obviously the human face has more muscles than any other face. Mm. Um, than any other animal face. Uh, so, so with the cow's face, obviously you get the cow leather, you get the durability of the cow's leather, but you also get the suppleness. Because, because this cow's leather face has been operated, essentially, by all of my... Uh, human facial muscles, and the, you know the human face has, has uh, over a million expressions. You know, it's just not just you know, is it happy, sad, but you know, even things like you know, <laughs> is that Doberman wearing a rucksack? Yeah, things like, you know. So there are so many iterations. Whereas, a, whereas you know, a, a cow, a cow only has two facial expressions: uh, sad and dead. That's right. So, so the fusion of the two faces means that I, I am wearing the most, the most sought after, the most deluxe five star leather on earth. Right, and, and you, you auctioned it last night. Yes, indeed. Tell us a bit about the, the place where you were auctioning it. It was a dark kind of place. The dark, uh, shadowy place. Yeah, because yeah. you were part of a, a... It wasn't just your face being auctioned. There was a number of... Well, they, were, they were called sort of livestock curios, weren't they? There was various That's things. right. Um, yeah, so I, was, I, was, I wasn't the first lot. There were various lots um, at this auction. And, yeah, and it was sort of strange, sort of yeah, freakish sort of uh, curios from the animal kingdom, which obviously billionaires adore. You know, there was, well, there was things like, there was, you know, there was a five-headed cockerel, um, there was a five-bodied cockerel, um, there was a horse with two heads and no body, um, uh, there, was a, there was a cow with the head of a different cow, that one was, um, you had to sort of take that one on trust, but there was a, um, it was, uh, it did come with a certificate, uh, that, uh, allegedly signed by both cows, um, there was a, a barn owl with a, with a human forehead, uh, square hen, pig with a sunroof, uh, shrimp with the head of a prawn, um, a crab with the mindset of a lobster, um, donkey with a gear stick, octopus with hooves, uh, a beaver who could play the flute, and uh, the penis of Edward the Confessor. So it was quite... Uh... And down there, there's a, you know, the world's billionaires with it, because these are things that are highly prized by some of the richest people on Earth. Oh, yeah. The people you had down there, you yeah. know, I've, I've heard the, you know, oh. <laughs> the creme de la creme. Oh, it was the creme de la creme of, you know, of the richest people on earth. I mean, it, was, it was extraordinary. Obviously, you had your Bezoses, obviously. You had your Zuckerbergs. But, you know, there was also the, uh, the Kleenex billionaires, Timothy and, Timothy and Jimothy Kleenex. Um, <laughs> Roy Taft, the plexiglass magnate. Um, the Pritstick heiress, Jemima Pritstick, who um, actually wasn't, her, wasn't wearing her lid. It was quite unusual to see her. Um, <laughs> So her soft, gooey head, sort of cranium, was, was fully exposed. And her neck was, was uh, fully extended so you could see the mechanism. So, um... <laughs> yeah. Who, who was it who, in the end, actually, actually did pony up and buy your face? Well, um, I'm pleased to say that uh, I, in the end, my face was uh, purchased by someone whose ethics um, 
chime with my own, because, you know, um, that's very important to me, that this went to a, to a good home, ethically. Yes, yeah, so I'm, so I'm delighted to say that, that, it, uh, that my face was bought by a Siberian petrochemical billionaire, ex-KGB enforcer, Oleg, the one-man pogrom, Petrovsky. <laughs> Yeah. And what, what's, his, what's he going to be doing with your face once it's unattached? Um, I believe he's going to be getting uh, a Leathermeister to uh, craft it into a USB stick pouch um, for, for his niece. Right, great. Yeah. Now, obviously, the mm. face is currently still very much attached to your human face. Mm. I believe um, you've been in talks with various people. To, you know, obviously, this will be a very complicated surgery to go through. I mean, it's, it's very rare that this happens. Yes, well, as I said earlier, the molecules have, have fused very, very deeply now, so we're going to need... Uh, it's going to need extraordinary skill. Yeah, there's, there's absolutely no question. I mean, it's going to need, you know, a combination of, of, of a sort of... Well, obviously, a brilliant surgical genius will be needed, and someone that, that is a master both of, mo- of sort of molecular science mm. and handbag technology. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, he's, he's here tonight. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen... It's Bob Jaskothic. I'm giving it a go. Going to give it a go. So, Bob, you're, gonna, you're mm. tasked with uh, taking off Michael's face and mm. revealing his old face. Mm. Um, have you done anything like this before? No. <laughs> uh, Is this the kind of thing that they, they, they teach at vet school? I mean, of course, well, well, you didn't go to vet school, did you? That's no, very much self-taught. I mean, I have uh, I've peeled... Um, I've peeled a, a, a wasp's face off before and uh, attached it to a, a blue bottle and then tried to take it back off again and um, the whole thing came to pieces um, pretty quickly. But, you know, trial and error. There's a chance, isn't there, that you take off the cow's face and under there is just some sort of salty liquid. Mm. How confident mm-hmm. are you that Michael's original face is still there underneath the cow's face? I, I'm about 50-50, so worth a go. <laughs> And, and Michael, do you feel in yourself that your face is still there under the cow's face? <laughs> you know what? I like to think it's there. I mean, I've, uh, scientists and experts have told me that it's unlikely to be there, but I like to think that it is there. And not only that, I think this is a time to really think about what is a face? <laughs> and how many faces do all of us have? I mean, how many people can really say they've only got one face? Do you know what I mean? There's the face... There's the face we project to society. There's the, the face we use when we're looking for things. <laughs> There's the face uh, you know, we, we use when we're, when we're thinking. There's the face we, we present to a loved one. There's the face we present to a lover. Okay, well, that's very profound. And I, and I believe, Michael, you've actually um, written a song about this very thing. I have. And you'd like to perform it for us. This evening. I would love to sing it for you, yeah. Lovely. Well, let's, uh, let's go for it. <clears throat> Behind my face is another face. And behind that face, another more metaphorical face. Right, I'll stop you there, Michael. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, I was... Uh, yeah, I have enjoying. to say, I wasn't expecting you to have such a... High voice, really. Oh, yes. Yes, sorry, that does surprise people sometimes, yes. Yeah, no, it's because, obviously, my, my human voice is being refracted through the, through the cow's face, which changes the, um, the wave pattern. Right, so that so, was the cow's face singing, really? It was, yeah, it was, yes, it, that was the cow's face, yeah. But, but channeled my, my, my emotional energy. Yeah. But the cow's face. Wow, so are you ever able to sing using 
your human face from b within the cow's face. Oh yeah, of course I can. I can do that. Do you want me to, I can separate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, can, I can just use the human face. Yeah, sure, sure. Behind my face is another face, and behind that face, another more metaphorical face. I'll stop you. I'll stop you there, Michael. Um, mm. Your inner face has a very slight northern accent. That's fascinating, isn't it? It's a Manchester area. Yes, that's because of, weirdly, that's because of the cow ears. That uh, that's changed my ear canal um, structure. That they're, they're differently weighted now on the inside. That factors back through up into the um, the um, the. Um, <laughs> my, <laughs> that bit. That bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that creates a northern vibe, yeah. Yeah, great. I mean, those two voices, I mean, amazing to have two voices like that. I wonder, yes. can you ever get them to... Oh, to work together? A, yeah, a duet? like a duet. I can. It involves a little bit of thinking. Uh, I have to concentrate for a moment because I just have to... Hang on. I just have to separate my soft palate from my um, medial palate. I should be able to do it. Hang on. Behind my An onion, unpeel me. And then you'll see the real me. A man without a cow stitched to his face. Behind my face is another face. And behind that face, another more metaphorical face and behind that face and behind that face is another face yes another face and behind that face and behind that face is another face Wow. Sorry. Wow. Yeah, that's a good out of you. Yeah, that really does. That's uh, yeah. emotional. That, that was punch. beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a shame in a way that once the cow's face is removed, mm. you, you won't be able to do that beautiful duet ever again. That is true. Uh, but on the other hand, the way I look at it is, uh, is that uh, I, I won't have a rotting cow's face on my face. Yes. So. Yeah, fair play. Well, um, I'd just like to say to both of you, to Bob, best luck. Um, I think you're going to do a great job. Thank you. Michael, thank you so much. Uh, for telling us about this and I, Thank you. I, I think we all wish you the best of luck um, because obviously next time I see you we, next time we see you you might not have a cow's face in your yep. face yep. or you might be dead so I it's might be uh, dead I might be dead yep. wow well uh, ladies and gentlemen uh, Michael Banyan so that's all we've got time for from the Great British Cattle Bazaar 
But if you're after more beef and dairy news, get over to the website now, where you can read all the latest beef and dairy news, as well as our off-topic section, where this month we try and fill a big yellow storage with piss. <laughs> so, until next time, beef out! <laughs> Thanks to Mike Wozniak, Henry Packer, Sammy Graham, Dave Cribb and Nadia Kamal. And thanks also, of course, if you were in the audience. What fun we had. And as I said earlier, that was an edited down version of the full show. And if you'd like to watch the whole thing, it was live streamed at the time, but the recording of the live stream is available and you can still buy a ticket and watch that as long as you do it before the 3rd of October. I'll put a link in the show notes. Bye! Beef is a promise, a promise that's never broke. Congratulations, you've won a ticket to attend an exclusive opportunity in a relaxing environment with two lovers. Wow. Well, this sounds like a sort of proposition of sorts, but really it's an ad for our podcast. Wonderful. It's a show we do here on Maximum Fun where we talk about things that we like and things that we're into. I'm Rachel McElroy, and you just heard Griffin McElroy, and we are excited for you to join us as we talk about movies and music and books. Things like sneezing or the idea of rain. (laughs) (laughs) Can you get news or information you can use? Absolutely you cannot, because we're here to talk to you about pumpernickel bread. You can find new episodes on Wednesdays. So catch catch the wave! Does our podcast deep dive into the weirdest Wikipedia pages we can find? Yes! Do we learn about scam artists, remote islands, horrible mascots, beautiful diseases, and mythical monsters? Yes, 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 absolutely, and yes. Do we retain any of this knowledge? Eh, Probably not. I'm Emily Heller. I'm Lisa Hannawalt. We make art and comedy and TV shows and also the podcast Baby Geniuses. For the past eight years, we've been trying to learn new things about the world and each other every episode. But let's be honest, this podcast is mostly about two friends hanging out, shooting the breeze, and making each other laugh. We're horny, we like gardening and horses, and we get real stupid on here. But like, in a smart way. Yeah. Join us every other week on Maximum Fun. Baby Geniuses, tell us something we don't know. Maximumfun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.